Eagles Entertainment. The journey to the draft is driven by AAA. AAA roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 21st pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA. I'm your host, Fran Duffy. The first day of drills at the NFL Scouting Combine. It's in the books. It's over. Thursday night uh, has come and gone. Wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends all took the field at Lucas Oil Stadium. We're going to break it all down here on the show. Chris McPherson's going to join me. We're going to break it all down in pick six, in draft buzz. But at the very top of the show, we're going to be joined by a special guest, a guy who's been on the show a number of times, and that's Reese's Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy, former NFL scout. We're going to get into kind of what's going on behind the scenes here and how the lead up to that point because scouts they do so much back work, background work on all of these players so we're going to get into a little bit of that with Jim and what goes into all of that process leading into these formal and informal interviews that happen here in Indianapolis also has a little bit of a, a great nugget actually uh, from a certain Eagles player that you may have heard of so we'll get into that at the end of the interview after that pick six six wide receivers They're now the talk of the town after what they did on the turf at Lucas Oil Stadium. Draft buzz. We'll go through all the other players that stood out. Really heavy breakdown there, and then we'll wrap it up in our draft mailbag. But before we get started here with the show, just a quick reminder, if if you haven't had a chance yet, visit PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Journey Survey. Go fill out a quick little four- to five-minute survey, all content-based. Again, I've talked about it over the last couple of episodes. It's all geared towards trying to make this show better for you guys at home. So whether you listen year-round, if you only listen during draft season right now, wherever you, whenever you listen, really, really helps us if you go and fill out that survey. Again, PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Journey Survey. You can do it right on your phone as well, right on the podcast. You can just go into the description. The link is there to the survey. You can go to my Twitter page as well, at FDuffy3. All right, let's get this this show going. It's time for the very top. It's Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Well, excited to welcome back to the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA, uh, Reese's Senior Bowl Executive Director. Jim Nagy. Jim, welcome back to the show. Yeah, friend. Thanks for having me on. Finally meeting, meeting face-to-face. Yeah, this no question. Of, this is cool. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're here in Indianapolis for the uh, NFL Scouting Combine. And, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about how really the most important parts of this whole thing are the medicals and the interviews and uh, the interview process. We, we did some access pieces in the past, like getting a look inside Carson Wentz's interview uh, here with the Eagles before he was drafted second overall. We just don't get a lot of insight into it. So I wanted to ask you as a former scout, um, you know, before we get into the interview portion, you know, the, the GMs, the head coach, the decision makers, they go into that room. They know a lot of the answers to some of the questions they ask, right? And that's all because of the background that the area scout does. So I almost want to just let's start back to the spring of the previous year. What does the area scout do to acquire all of that background information? It really depends on uh, depends on the team mm. and where you kind of start your cycle in terms of the you know information collection. It, it can start as early as, as pro days, which are coming up here in a couple weeks. So there's certain teams that will send scouts out to pro days, and they'll be getting all the numbers, obviously, from the workouts and evaluating the workout. But then they'll stay late and spend you know a few more hours in the building, walking around the building trying to gather information for next year's class. And, and there's a lot of value to that. Um, it puts a lot more stress on the scout because, again, he's leaving town at 7 o'clock and he's got a three-hour drive and he's not getting to the next city till 10 o'clock and then he's got to type up all his stuff from that day's sure. report. So it puts a lot more stress on him. But the interesting thing is when you hit coaches and, and people around the building up about players um, when they're you know their junior, spring of their junior year, they're not ready for it. Mm. You know, you can kind of see it on their face. Like they're so used to answering about that senior class. that's just getting right. ready to finish up. When you hit them on a guy for next year, they're kind of like, oh, geez, I haven't had time to think about what that answer is supposed to be yet. And, and so, you, you know, you take all those notes and then you go back in the fall and uh, it's sometimes things change. It's yeah. pretty funny. You're like, you know, you go back in in August you're like, that's not what they said last March. <laughs> um, the company lines changed on that guy. So, no, there's a lot of value to it. And that's why coming to the Combine is great because you go into the schools and the scouts bust their butts all year to get that information. And then this is really the first time that you, you get in front of the players. And it, it's one thing to hear a kid's backstory about, you know, how he grew up and, you know, maybe some of the hardships he went through. But it's another to hear it from his mouth. Mm. Um, I think that's the most impactful thing. And that's why, you know, our game, Senior Bowl, 
um, is a great opportunity because it's a they have, they have more time for one. You yeah. get more time with them there than here. I mean, the, the schedule here is a little more regimented and there's not as much downtime. But, um, you know, the more time you can spend with these guys, the better. I think we've probably talked about it on, on your podcast is, you know, my experience when you when you miss on players, you're missing on the person. Right. I mean, the tape's the easier part is to watch the tape and watch, you know, evaluate the player. But really figuring out how these who these players are is difficult. And, and there's really not a lot of time for it. I mean, you really have to have a, a dedicated staff that is willing to go the extra mile because, you know, you get an all-star game exposure, you get a limited time here at Indy, and then, you know, maybe pro day. Um, maybe a 30 but that's not a lot when you're talking about you know being with a guy for for four years or five years on that first contract and then hopefully you know a second or third contract it's it's not not a lot of time to get to know the person jim how have you applied those lessons learned from your time as a scout in the nfl to being the executive director of the senior bowl and setting the game up yeah there's there's a little bit of carryover but not as much as you would uh not as much as you would expect really um you know, because we don't have to. Uh, What's Got up? Jalen Hurts here. Good to see you, bud. Over to say hello. <laughs> um, Jim takes care of his guys. I was going to say, he's a Super Bowl guy, so. Uh, but no, there's not as much carryover because, one, we don't have to be as concerned as much about the character part of it for our game. I mean, again, we don't want guys that are criminals in our game by, by any sure. stretch of the imagination. But, but we also, um, we almost owe it to the teams to bring some guys in with character question marks. You know, because they want to spend extra ex, spend extra time with them. So you know, there's kind of that fine line. Do we, you know, again, the, for me, making the call on these guys, anything domestic, you're not coming to Mobile. Yeah, right. Um, but if it's you know some positive weed tests or whatever might have you, it almost behooves us to bring them for for the for the team. So again, but but again, when it comes back to the scouting part, I mean. I mean, yeah, what you got to do, I mean, you're evaluating the whole the whole draft. And Phil Savage told, told me this before I got the job. He's like, you know, your draft's at the end of November, man. Right. Like, it's, you're on a shorter time, so you don't have to the end of April. Yep. So you got you really got to hone in on these guys and, and make some good decisions. And um, and that's why we start the process now. I haven't done it yet, but our three scouting assistants are already on the next season right. for next year's, gro- awesome. next year's group. So. Um, so when you go back and you look at your career as an area scout, were there ever times, you don't have to mention specific players or coaches but like would there ever be a time where look you're you're counted on to be the expert on this player by the time you get here you know from a background standpoint or personality standpoint and whether it be a position coach or a cross-check scout or uh you know someone that's an upper level part of it that meets the guy for 10 minutes and they're like oh i love this kid and you're like man like i don't this is not what's in my <laughs> this is not what i have in my report at all like right. remember what, I, what all the stuff that i've wrote down over, over the last few months yeah and that's the that's the hard part is you, you go out and you work really hard at that part of it and and again these guys are smart enough you know some of them you can get snowballed in a <laughs> 10 minute exposure it, it just goes back to you know being a team and and, and you know trusting the guys you work with so yeah. Because um, I've been in that position as an over-the-top scout, where I've read the area scouts' report, and I've went in and I've went in and met the player, and I was, and I w- had to go back to the area scout and be like, "Are you sure? Like, is that is that really what they said about him? Because I didn't get that." And they're like, "Jim, trust me." I'm like, "Okay, I got you." Right. You know, like you, you all just you, again, that's the that's why there has to be camaraderie in that group. That's why the the, the culture of that scouting room and that draft room is so important. Uh, and I know Philly's done a really good job of. of, of of, of having cohesion in that group because you, you do, you get in those situations, man. We're all in the fall. You're out there by yourself. You know, yeah. the area scouts out by himself, the over the top guys out by himself, the college director, and you're all kind of independent contractors for the fall. And then you all get back together in draft meetings and you got to hash it all out. So you, you really do have to have, uh, there has to be good chemistry. Jim, how did you hone and develop the ability to analyze players, not the football stuff, obviously, but the off the field stuff and the character? You know, I, I do. I think a lot of it comes with just just getting older and maturing yourself. You know, and just going through your, going through life as yourself. And I, I think a, you know, smart GMs that that can put together a staff get guys from different backgrounds too. You know, because you do get in a room, and again, we're all coming through this from our own lens. You know, you're all you're all you're bringing your own like everything in life. We're all bringing our own life experiences to the table. You know, and yeah. we're, we're seeing things through through our what what we've gone through in life. So. Um, again, I guess the, the biggest thing I learned is just to be open-minded with, with who these guys are and be empathetic to it and, and try to understand, like, some of these guys, it's really easy to, to be critical and point the finger. And, um, but some of these guys are products of their environment, you know. And, and, again, it's eye-opening when you're a scout to go into schools on a daily basis and hear about some of these backgrounds these, these players come from. Um, 
it doesn't surprise you when you see stuff on the ticker. You know, like it's it's amazing that there's not more of it, um, considering where some of these guys come from. So, I guess that's the biggest thing I learned over the years was just you know just be empathetic to the person and, and people can change. And that's why you see some organizations give guys second, second chances. Right. Um, I believe in second chances, maybe not third and fourth chances, but, right. but at least a second chance. Um, Cause the, and again, the thing that gets lost, these guys are young guys now. Sure. You know, some of these guys here at the combine are 19, 20 years old. And uh, I mean, there's, <laughs> I, I know we all probably did some things at 19 and 20 that we were not proud of. So, and we didn't have social media and we did thank God. We thank God we didn't have smartphones back in. The, yeah, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Uh, is there are there interviews that stand out to you from your career where like a guy walks into the room and you had a, a one preconceived notion about him, but he walks out and he's like, man, like this guy gets it. Like he he's got everything that he's going to need mentally uh, from a background standpoint to make it in the NFL. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've, there's got to be examples that I could give you in terms of that. That like where you hear something about a, a player at the school and then you meet him and it's it's different than, yeah. than what your preconceived notion was. Um, I just think the best, you know, the best interviews are, uh, the best interviews are are the guys that, that are transparent. Yep. You know, they, the agents try to, to coach them up through the process so much. And what I what I try to tell our guys at the senior bowl at orientation was, um, you know, I know I know you're being coached up, but but just be yourselves, you know, like, and I'll use Jaron Reed as an example because Jaron and I are close now and we drafted him in Seattle when I was there and, and he's one of my favorite players I ever scouted and I love the guy. Um, you know, but he had some missteps when he got to, first got to Alabama out of junior college. Right, yep. And uh, you know, and some of them were, were known publicly. Yep. And and so we brought him in the room, it was uh, at, at the senior bowl and we bring him in. I, I said, Okay, let's just unpack some of this stuff, Jaron, and then, you know, you just tell me from your perspective and here it was, boom, out it comes. And he hit me with stuff that like I didn't even know about, and I thought I I thought I had it all tied up, <laughs> and uh, here he is, just like nope, and this and this. I'm like okay, and uh, but it was it was real, yeah, you know, right. like you, I was meeting the real guy, and then we got. I'm like okay, are we done? Like is this? He's like yeah, that's it. I'm like okay, so let's talk some football. And when he walked out of the room, and it might have been the same draft class as Wentz, because I remember this happening twice. When Wentz, it was Wentz and Jaron were in the same situation where we had a suite. The Seahawks would get a suite, and we'd have the players come up, and there'd, all the scouts would be up there. And at one time, there might be eight players up there. At one time, there might be one. And when Wentz and Jaron were both up there, there was no other players up there. So really, the whole scouting staff kind of circled around, and it became kind of a group thing. And it, you know. You know, the area scout or the over-the-top guys were the ones conducting the interview, right. but everyone was there. And when Wentz walked out, we obviously had Russell Wilson already, but Wentz walked out of the room and we looked at each other like, oh, my God, he's going to be a dude for somebody. Like at, he, at that point, he wasn't being talked about yeah, as that guy. I yeah. mean, he was so comfortable in his own skin, and he just was such, you know, he had such a charisma about him. And Jaron was the same way. Jaron's edge, like Jaron had this edge to him. That when he walked out of the when he walked out of the room, we all looked at like that's guy guy's got to be a Seahawk. Like mm. you, those guys are hard to find these days. These guys, like Jaron's a junkyard dog in a good way, and, and that's why he's become a leader on that Seahawk team. And you, you knew it when he walked out of that room that day. Now on the flip side, are are there instances where you've been severely disappointed because you knew the answers to the test, you gave the test to the player in the interview, and he wasn't forthcoming or he wasn't completely sure. truthful, and you said to yourself, you know. Everything points that we would want this guy on our team, but you just can't trust him. Yeah, sure, that that definitely happens. Um, you know, I wouldn't throw a guy under the bus and no, name sir, names, no. but that that happens. And the other thing that happens is, you know, this is a this, this is a part of the process where you can check your sources as well. You know, you, you got to go back, and you know, a, a certain picture has been painted when you go into the school, and then you and then you actually meet the kid, and you're like, well, that is not how he was being described at right. the school. So then, you know, you go back to the sources, and you know, you go back to the school and say, listen, I, you know, I spent a lot of time with this guy at the Senior Bowl or the Combine, and you know, this is how this is my interpretation of it. Am I reading that wrong? Did I have a bad? 30 minutes with them or because you guys kind of described him as this you know and you got to hash that out a little bit because it's like conflicting information you get you owe it to your GM and your owner and, and your head coach to go back in that room and have an answer for that you can't go you can't go back into the draft room and say well you know they told me this and I think this 
and there's this discrepancy. Well, no, figure that discrepancy out. Why did that happen? You know, and and uh, so that that's what this part of the process is all about is is really getting to the bottom of these guys. It's no different than a guy that you expect to run four four five and he runs four six flat, and you're like, well. What the hell? This is not what we saw in film. Uh, just trying to go back and, and double check and, and take a look at it. Yeah, and that's what all this stuff is yeah. like. So I just did an interview with a Cincinnati radio station. We're talking about Joe Burrow's hand yeah. size, which is all the craze these <laughs> days. Um, but all these things are the Wonderlick test. I mean, all this stuff is just they're, they're just things that are make you go back and either recheck the tape or yep. recheck a source and make sure. You know, like the Wonderlick test. A lot of people bristle at that nowadays, but you know, all it is, I and mean, we've had, it, it, it's just a way to check it. You know, yeah. so I, I can't tell you how many times we've had high Wonderlick guys that can't learn football, and vice versa, guys that are, you know, get a seven on the Wonderlick, but football makes sense. Right. You know, you talk to the position coach, you talk to the coordinator at the school, they're like, yeah, this guy's great on the board. He, you know, we can move him around. He can learn three different wide receiver positions, you know, and then you get your coaches get with him. Same thing. It checks out. But you got this low Wonderlick score hanging out. Well, who cares then? Right. You know, it's just a way to check yourself, and that's, that's all this stuff is, the 40 time, everything. So. I've said it uh, earlier on the week on the show. It's, it's only a problem if it's a problem yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, when it comes to all that stuff. You got, it, it comes down to, you know, going back to the tape and trusting what you see. Sure. You know, just trusting your own eyes and not worrying about all this other stuff. I, again, I, I, the Combine's a great event, and mm -hmm. I love Jeff Foster, who runs it. He does an awesome job. This is a three-ring circus, man. Right. This is like an 18-ring circus. <laughs> I don't, he does an, a phenomenal job running this thing, but you can make a lot of mistakes um, by what you, you know, what guys are doing in shorts and T-shirts. Sure. Well, well, Jim, really appreciate the time here. Once again, on the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. Uh, best of luck. Your first time here as a, as a media member yeah. uh, this week, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, friend. Thanks for having me on. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, C-Mac, well, before we get started here with Pick 6, let's uh, really quickly reflect on uh, that, that story from, from Jim Nagy. I thought that was a really cool nugget uh, about Carson Wentz there at the end. It's funny because there are a lot of people who probably hear that and are wondering, like, man, that's that's everything we thought that he would be, right. which is what he's been to this point here uh, from a leadership standpoint. Um I mean, he's coming from day one and has been the guy, you know, learned a little bit behind the ropes, but was thrust into the starting lineup as, as a rookie, you know, when initially the plan was to let him sit the first year, but took command of the helm, showed tremendous poise in that rookie year of 2016, yep. going through the ups and downs, had his meteor meteoric rise in 2017 to help the Eagles win the Super Bowl, and has worked to get himself back to that elite level and was getting there in 2019, helping the Eagles win the NFC East, rallying the team late down the stretch. And unfortunately, uh, that hit from Jadavion Van Clowney kept Eagles fans from seeing what could have been uh, an amazing run in, in the postseason. So, now, To me, my biggest takeaway from that was uh, they already have Russell Wilson, and yet they're meeting with one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. And I think that that kind of speaks to, you know, we, we all get so excited this time of year and uh, all these articles get clicked on uh, when it comes to all oh, this player or team X met with player Y and all, all this. Every team meets with every player at some point in the process in some way, shape or form. They're going to do their due diligence, no matter the player, no matter the position, they're always going to try and meet with these guys because you never know. And you know, and so to me, like they already have Russell Wilson. He's there. He's their franchise quarterback. But they're down in Mobile, and they're like, you know what? Let's do a formal interview with the top, one of the top quarterbacks here, and just get a feel for him. And to me, I thought that was a a little eye opening. Really good to be able to get that kind of a story from Jim Nagy. Well, it's twofold. It's one down the road. What if player X becomes a free agent, or what if you're scouting to prepare to face that player in a postseason game? You want to know what makes that person tick. Right. You know, get a little inside edge. And circling back to the story I wrote on uh, Amina Solomon and Lee DeValerio, the two scouting assistants sure, here. Sure, great stuff. Make sure you go read that story if you haven't you know, read it. Lee said, we try to meet with every player. Right. Okay? Every single player. So I do the eye roll like most reporters do when there's a pause in the press conference with the players. Did you meet with the Packers? Did you meet with the Bucks? How did it go? 
I would I would love if a player was like I bombed. Yeah, you know it was terrible. So I'll, I'll get off my high horse on on that note right there. All right, well let's uh, let's get into what we saw here uh, on the first day of workouts from Lucas Oil Stadium. We're going to talk through the wide receiver position, obviously uh, the deepest position, the most talented position in this draft, according to um, pretty much every analyst uh, and evaluator uh, in the country. Let's talk about six players that really kind of are now the talk of the town now, C-Mac, at the wide receiver position. I'll let you kick things off. Who, uh, to you, is getting the most buzz at this point after what we saw on Thursday night? Ooh, let's see. So I'm going to go through my list, and I will start – okay, I will say the one who's the most – we were kind of debating how to handle pick six, of how to exactly phrase it. Yes. Okay, because the player who I'm going to bring up first here – we were talking about we initially we were kicking around the idea of who helped his stock the most. Right. And you could debate this one, but Henry Ruggs is certainly the story of night one of the combine workouts because of his blazing fast 40 time. Okay. Clocking it, I think officially 427 is the final one. It was I think 428 unofficial, but the final one is 427, just shy. Of John Ross's 4-2-2, but so effortless, so smooth, so fluid. And when you watch him run, you even see like not quite the cleanest start. And you're like, he still finishes below a 4-3. And you see that when you watch the highlights, you watch the film, you see that explosiveness on the field. So that gets into the point where he he Pulled up with an injury. He had an injured quad. It was, it was He was being iced the rest of the time. So he didn't partake in any of the position drills. Yep. So he basically did his 40 and was like... He had the jumps. So he jumped through the gym as well. 42 and he outstanding in the vert, explosive jumps. 11 so, foot in the... Uh, just about 11 feet in the broad. So he's... You know, but once he hit the 427, quad's a little sore. Indy, I've done what I need to do. He's, well, he's I a, I don't think that the, I really don't think that he did that because he's known as like a super competitive guy. I, my guess is he did actually tweak the quad. I'm not, no, 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 no. I was not trying to make it sound like that he did, but the fact that once he was injured, it's like if I can't play. Well, yeah. That from that, so no, I was not in trying to insinuate. No, that he's not. Gonna, you're not. If you get any kind of tweak in that situation, you're not. You're not pushing it because of now course, you don't want that course. to turn into something more serious. Yes. Um, I to me, it was great. It, look, it's gr- we knew though that Henry Ruggs was a four-two guy. We knew that we knew this going in. Like to me, this wasn't like a, 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 a you know, this wasn't breaking news to me. This was uh, what we had expected. I was really looking forward to seeing him go through position drills because uh, you know, and he was a he was a deep ball threat. We saw him used that way at Alabama. Um, I would have loved to see multiple occasions, multiple reps of him having to track the ball over the shoulder, accurate, inaccurate, short, long, uh, inside, outside. Would have loved to see him put into some stressful situations down the field where he had to track the football like we got to see from some of these other guys. Uh, that would have been really nice to see in person. Um, you know, just it, Unfortunately, we didn't get to see that because of the injury. Um, so I don't, I don't know that walking away from the workout, you say – Man, he really helped his stock because I think right now it's Henry Ruggs is exactly who we thought he was going into it. We we knew Henry Ruggs was going to be at worst four three one four three two, right? If he was any worse than that, that would have been breaking news. Um, so I, to me, I don't know that he he's helped himself with what he did on Thursday, but he still obviously is going to be the big. It's going to be a big discussion. Point. It's a bit. It's a big story to me, and Eagles fans are wondering with that speed. Could he possibly last till 21? Okay. It, I think it's one thing to see it on tape. It's one thing to believe that he's going to be timed in that range. But when he actually pulls it off in prime time, first time that the combine workouts are being televised, you know, in prime time to pull it off. And, and they had the fastest guys doing the 40 right in that window where you want the nation watching. Okay. And he showed up, and he put up a big time. Didn't set the record, but certainly contested it. And it's still, to me, it's one thing to say and to predict that he's going to be a 4-2 guy, but when he actually does it on the field, then it's like, whoa. It, to me, it puts an exclamation point on it. Sure. Uh, I think it's obviously it's a huge, huge feat uh, and really impressive accomplishment. Um, but, yeah, it's it's – It'll be an interesting discussion. I'm interested to see what the narrative is on that 
as we get into next week, as we get into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, leaving the combine, are people going to be talking about it the same way? Um, we'll see. It's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, my guy, I'm going to say, the, the, to me, the player that I think, if we're going to talk about who helped themselves the most, people questioned, oh, is just, can just Jefferson, what's, what is his long speed? Like, what, what does he look like uh, you know, working down the field? He goes out and he runs at 202 pounds, runs 4.43, uh, does really well in the jumps as well. Not as well as Ruggs, uh, you know, but over 10 feet in the jumps, 10 and a half feet in the jumps, jumps over 37 inches in the vert. Uh, and then in, in drills was everything we imagined he would be. I mean, he was outstanding uh, catching the football, looked sharp as a route runner, which we would expect. And they're doing routes on air, so it's not like you know he's trying to juke any defenders out of their shoes or anything. But uh, I thought he looked crisp. He looked super confident. I don't know if a ball hit the ground all night with him. Uh, really, really impressive uh, performance there from Justin Jefferson. And again, running that 4-4-3, I think answered some questions for people uh, going into this part of the process. <clears throat> I think you're checking that box in a positive light there for Justin Jefferson. To me, uh, a guy who helped himself as much as anybody on Thursday night. So crisp in the route running. Yeah. That's the biggest thing with him. I also love you know, the pop when the ball in his hands. You just securely would catch it each and every time. Um, I'm trying to look here. Uh, he did the second time he went through the gauntlet was very solid. Uh, both re really both runs with the gauntlet were good. Um, did good adjusting over the shoulder catches. Um, did a great job tracking the football, running the go route. Yep. Uh, so every way, shape, and form. But like you said, he he answered the biggest question that he had to hear. Uh, in Indianapolis. Yeah, he had some outstanding catches uh, at all three areas of the field, downfield, looking the ball in through his eyelids, over his shoulder, made some catches going to the ground. So uh, Justin Jefferson, to me, uh, answered a lot of questions on Thursday. All right, so Fran, you've got the, the numbers here. You've got your database here with you know input. We're, we spent some time trying to input what the league has provided from a statistical standpoint thus far. Can you read through the jump numbers? For wide receiver Donovan Peoples Jones. Yeah, no, certainly a, a very impressive performance. He went 139 inches, uh, which is 11.7. Yeah, 11.7. So 11 feet 7 inches in the broad jump, 44 and a half in the vertical jump. Uh, very, very good numbers there for. Uh, he was a half an inch shy of the uh, best vertical jump in the last 10 years of any receiver drafted. So uh, certainly outstanding numbers there from a jump standpoint. He ran 4.48 as well in the 40-yard dash. So uh, DPJ from Michigan uh, certainly had a very impressive athletic performance. And I will add to that, I thought he had the best position drill workout. Of all the receivers on the field today, so more you, can so disagree. you can disagree. More so than Justin. Wow. I thought more. I thought a cleaner overall was a cleaner workout than Justin Jefferson. Both gauntlet runs were smooth. Over shoulder adjustment drill made a nice job with the catch there. Showed great acceleration on the post corner route. Uh, just he had one one drop on, on a high throw that he could have possibly brought in, but I thought from top to bottom. Go route was very, very impressive where the quarterback, you know, lofted the ball nicely. And some and some of this is due to the quarterbacks, good or bad. Okay. It's you need a good ball from the quarterback to be able to work it because there are times when the guy might run a nice route. And it certainly will be noted that he runs a nice route, but the ball may not be where it's supposed to be. But uh as we were just going through drill, I'm like, you know, Donald People Jones, like the numbers are there from the the timing and testing standpoint physically. The workout numbers are just continuing to, to go on and be impressive. And I thought from start to finish was, was very, very good. I, I, at the end of the night, I said, you know, trying to look at all, all the players who participate in these drills uh, and the position workouts. And I thought from the wide receiver standpoint, DPJ was the top one. To me, the guy that blew me away with his position workout, and uh, I had not studied this player, so didn't have any preconceived notions coming in. Um, the athletic tests weren't great. The shuttles were not very good at all. Uh, the jumps were just okay. The 40 thing ran 4.45 at uh, 6.2, just under 200 pounds. Isaiah Coulter from Rhode Island, his position workout was outstanding. He dropped one pass. It was one pass. It was a final catch uh, on a gauntlet, one of the gauntlet reps. Did not let a ball hit the ground throughout the, the rest of the workout. Showed excellent body control, uh, really confident hands, really strong hands, caught everything thrown his way. 
I really, really liked what I saw from Isaiah Coulter, especially considering I hadn't studied him. Every once in a while, you come to this and you you kind of watch these guys go through the position workout and you say, man, like this guy lo- just looks the part. He looks really good. And I thought Isaiah Coulter from Rhode Island really, really stood out to me. Uh, we saw his teammate Aaron Parker down at the Shrine Bowl. Isaiah Coulter, a junior who declared for the draft, again, out of URI, out of Rhode Island. You typically don't see juniors come out of a program like that, but uh, URI putting two receivers uh, into this event here in Indianapolis. And I thought Isaiah Coulter was really, really good here on Thursday night. Uh, of the So basically there's two groups that the quarterbacks and receivers right. – you know, there's a group of quarterbacks and wide receivers who work together in one group and another group uh, where they're paired off together. I thought for Coulter, he was with the first group of quarterbacks and, and wide receivers to go through the drills, and I thought he was the best yep. of that group. So, And, you know, it's every time you're like, checking your notes and you're like, who? it really is, who is this guy? And and I will admit, you hear, name, you hear the names and you're almost thinking, like, is this route really good because of who's running it or was it a really good route? Okay, you're trying to like not be um, influenced by the name. It's like just because CeeDee Lamb runs the route doesn't mean it's a good route. No, you're trying sure. to isolate it. And with Isaiah Coulter, just as he kept checking the box every, as you keep going through the routes, and you're like, this guy's putting in a good workout. So it's it's a guy you you I think he had a comparison to someone from last year. Uh, I was, uh, Trist, I was, you know, that was how I felt about Tristan Hill, the defensive tackle from Central Florida, who ended up going in the second round to Dallas. Um, you know, I hadn't studied Tristan Hill before the combine. We go out there, you know, you see the position workout, and you're like, man, you just see this guy move, and, he, and he's moving as well or better than most of these guys out there. And I just thought Coulter, it wasn't necessarily the movement that got me. It was just the the confidence at the catch point. It was it was certain. He was graceful in, t- in terms of how he moved. I liked his body control. Uh, I thought uh, to me, I was really impressed with uh, with that kid on Thursday. So my third guy is a player we saw at the Senior Bowl. Okay, and he's no, was known as a very good route runner, but he's a bigger body receiver. And you're trying to figure out, you know, from an athletic standpoint, a movement standpoint. Can any of these big buy receivers separate themselves? And I thought Michael Pittman from USC did a very good job of doing that today. Just from the position drills themselves, checked off the every box, adjusted well, catching the ball over the shoulder. Both of his runs in the gauntlet were clean. Every route was run quite nice. Uh, his in routes I thought were very sharp, especially as being such a bigger receiver. Uh, had a couple low throws on – and on the out routes when he was lined up on the right side, but that was more on the quarterback, um, but did a great job attacking the ball on the fade route, uh, caught the ball deep down the field on the go routes, just across the board was just very, very consistent from, from start to finish, and put up good enough numbers uh, in the timing and testing drills that we should get him more consideration moving forward. So the third guy who I thought really not just helped his case, but, you know, Really, I think, you know, create some buzz for himself here to try to separate himself from that second group of receivers, I guess you would say, it was Michael Pittman. Yeah, of the guys that are, you know, over 210, 215, he definitely, to me, had the best overall athletic workout. And, yeah, he, I mean, he caught everything thrown his way uh, on Thursday night. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that um, I've talked a lot about him going back to the summer, and that's Devin Duvernay, uh, the wide receiver from Texas. I thought of all the receivers to, uh, tonight – he was the best going through the gauntlet drill. I mean, really confident, uh, executed all the points of the drill exactly how you would want them. Good pacing, held the line well, confident at the catch point, caught everything away from his body, uh, finished well. You saw urgency there. I thought Devin DuVernay looked really, really good. And uh, and then he goes, he runs 4-3-9. We're going to talk about it in a little bit, but I had high expectations for him coming into the week, higher than I think some people did. Um, He goes out and he has a good good round of tests overall. Uh, The three-cone, I think he would have liked it to be a little bit better, but everything else looks strong. Uh, DuVernay, I thought had a really good workout in the position drills and then running the 4-3-9, uh, showing off some of that long speed, some of that track speed, I thought showed up well as well. You've kept referring to his track background, but I definitely agree uh, with the gauntlet. I remember going going through his group and it was like, I thought Duvernay was the best one, and you were like, yeah. So um, I, I certainly agree with uh, his performance. I thought he, he as well uh, did a great job of uh, generating some buzz for himself. And 
making a little money in the process. Yeah, so those are the six guys at wide receiver that we felt uh, really are kind of the talk of the town after what they did on Thursday night. Now, let's kind of put a ribbon on everything else that we saw from Lucas Oil Stadium. It's time for Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, C-Max, so we'll go kind of position by position here, and I thought a good way to kind of structure the conversation was to go back, refer back to some of the categories I, t- I hit on in the positional cheat sheets, uh, well, starting at wide receiver, so we'll kind of put a ribbon on that conversation. Okay. Um, we'll hit on a few categories from, all the, from each position and some of the players that uh, I talked about in those pieces and then some of the other guys that really stood out that we feel we really, really need to talk about to kind of close the book on Thursday. And first off, uh, my workout warrior was Henry Ruggs. We talked about him earlier, so mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't need to dive too deep. I thought he... He showed up well in the, in the yeah. three drills that he did. So uh, I thought that I felt I feel pretty good about that decision with Henry Ruggs. My off-the-radar pick was Tyree Cleveland, the wide receiver from Florida. Um, I'll tell you what, he had, a, he had a solid day. I don't think that he went as as explosive as I maybe thought. He went 4-4-6 in the 40, jumped over uh, 10 feet in the broad. He went over 39. He went 39 and a half inches in the vert, so he jumped out of the gym as well. Uh, but Tyree Cleveland, I thought, had a solid day uh, in the workout. And really, as a receiver, I thought he did it did some good things too, uh, C-Mac. I, I liked post-corner route. I thought did a very good job with that. Um, the deep in route looked very clean r- running that as well. Uh, did a great job on out route, keeping himself staying in bounds. Um, you know, had I've little, got one drop on the night, and it was in the gauntlet. In the gauntlet, I was just I was going to bring up outside of that he was another one who, uh, as you go down, especially when you're looking at those deep routes, th- that was very very smooth, very clean throughout the course of the course of the night. So that's a, that's another player who I'm like so don't really know a lot about, but. Uh, definitely helped his cause here in uh, Indianapolis. Yeah, he was the guy that I was glad I was able to get him in there as the -the off-the-radar pick. My stopwatch shocker was Duvernay. Uh, We just talked about him in the last segment. Uh, I thought that he followed through, so I feel pretty good about about these three picks here, C-Mac, for that one. My will kill the drills. I went with Justin Jefferson. We hit on him in the yep. in the previous segment. I thought he was one of the best position workouts uh, on Thursday night. So felt pretty good about what I did uh, from the wide receiver cheat sheet. Again, we'll be doing those every single day that they're a workout. So Friday morning, we'll have the uh, the offensive line and running backs. If you haven't already read them, go on to PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app. They will be up uh, by the time you are listening to this podcast, <laughs> and you can get ready for the uh, for Friday night's action at Lucas Oil Stadium. All right, let's get to some of the other guys, C-Mac, that stood out. We don't need to spend as much time as we did on the last guys in pick six, but uh, I know one guy that we really need to hit on okay. was Denzel Mims, the wide receiver from yeah. Baylor. Had a, a really, really good workout overall. When you look at the numbers uh, for Denzel Mims, I mean, at 6'3", 212, pounds uh, uh 207 pounds rather i mean this guy's got long arms he went 666 in the three cone which is crazy crazy exp- impressive for a guy that big he jumped 131 inches in the broad which is a great great number 38 and a half in the vert he ran 438 in the 40 so you're talking about really good number numbers from a raw standpoint that's not even counting his size. So uh, Denzel Mims, I thought from an athletic standpoint, did a lot of good things. I thought the positional workout was fine. It wasn't special. It wasn't as good as some of these other guys. I thought there were a little bit more drops. He looked a little leggy, I thought, at, at the top of routes at times, uh, working in the middle of the field. But uh, overall, I thought Mims had a strong workout. Strong hands. Strong yeah. hands. The gauntlet, he would, ch- he would grab the ball and chuck it with authority. Uh, before moving on to the next catch. Not the best overall, but when you factor in, when you bring in the size element, you know, he is someone who's really helped himself generate some momentum starting with the senior bowl yep. down down in uh, Mobile, Alabama. Uh, really had some flash plays down there. I think got on everyone's radar. And then you factor in the timing and testing drills compared with the size, the fact that he's done some stuff on the field now, you know, in an even uh, level of competition definitely uh, has helped his stock throughout the draft process. Uh, he was asked at his press conference on what was that now? Was that Tuesday? Tuesday. Yes. Um, he was asked at his press conference that uh, what what sets you apart from the other receivers here? He said it was his blocking and contested catches. Um, you know, you're talking about a big physical guy that enjoys those kind of uh, physical situations. So uh, Denzel Mims, a guy that I thought had a really, really good night 
uh, on Thursday night. Let's get to another guy, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, mm, yep. You know, I think that a lot of fans were very interested to see how Brandon Ayuk would do. I thought he had a really good positional workout um, overall. I thought he did well. He another guy jumped out of the gym, 128 inches in the broad, really good number. 40 inches in the vert, outstanding number. Uh, so I think when you look at what he was able to do from an explosive standpoint, he kind of showed off that in the jumps. And then you know, four five in the 40, not super super impressive. Excited to see what the 10 yard split is there. My guess is the 10 is going to look look uh, look really good because that typically uh, correlates to those jumps. So uh, Brandon Ayuk showing off some explosiveness in a short area. Remember, this is a guy that can be a movement player, great after the catch, outstanding return man as well over the course of his career at Arizona State. Four five is fast enough. No question. That's plenty fast yep. to get the job done. I actually, in my notes uh, on his post-corner route during the positional drills, gave it the chef's kiss. It was such beautiful the way, the way he yes. set it up. And, and again, of course, it's routes on air, but you want to see how clean he is. And some of the receivers, they'll try to look for the football way too quickly. He gives himself some time to sell the route. Then he's looking for the football. He has the tracking ability to bring it in. Uh, the gauntlet, there were a couple low throws, and he was able to pluck them with ease. So overall, cer certainly agree that Brandon Ayuk is someone who's generated some buzz here in Indy. Yeah, that post-corner route I wrote down was one of the best catches uh, of the night. He did an outstanding job on that one. Next guy we're going to hit on, uh, John Hightower. I was impressed with Hightower, C-Mac. One of the questions people had about him uh, were his hands, and he does have some drops. We saw him in person down at the Shrine Bowl, and he had his share of drops throughout the course of the week. But I think, if, I, if memory serves, I think he only put one or two balls on the ground over the course of the entire workout on Thursday night, uh, and he showed off that speed. He went 4-4-3 in the 40-yard dash. We knew that he had some speed, so that's not what really st stands out to me. To me, it was more the positional workout, uh, seeing what he was able to do. I thought he looked confident at the catch point. couple of drops, but overall, I thought he looked good catching the football. In the gauntlet, a couple of throws were high. He was able to bring him in yep. and be able to continue running smoothly and staying on point. You definitely can see he, he's got – not quite the top-level speed that I think we were possibly expecting because he was known as a speed guy. We saw him at the Shrine Bowl, and the one element that he brings to the table is the speed. So certainly not Henry Ruggs-level speed, but still plenty quick, plenty fast. Uh, and he definitely could be utilized as a deep weapon at the, at the next level. Uh, Jalen Rieger. Okay, another guy that I think people were expecting to time really well in the 40-yard dash. Didn't run as well. We didn't see that same top-end speed that I think a lot of people were hoping for. I'll tell you what, man, outstanding positional workout. You know, another guy that looked super, really, really impressive uh, at the catch point. One drop, came in the gauntlet drill early, didn't drop another ball after that. Uh, had some outstanding catches down the field, all three areas of the field, really. Uh, he had one where he had to spin in the air in the quick game. Uh, he pulled in a couple of throws that were very high and had to pull them in. The quarterback play in the second group was not as strong as the first group, so those guys had to work for the football a little bit more, and I thought Jalen Rieger uh, showed some really, really nice hands, had a really impressive high point to close out the drill or to close out his night uh, in the fade route late in the, in the workout. But uh, overall, Jalen Rieger, I thought, looked really, really good. He was another guy. Crazy, crazy jump numbers as well. 138 inches in the broad, 42 inches in the vert. Both are outstanding numbers and kind of showing off that explosiveness that he's got in a short area. Uh, the post corner was lined up on the right side, made a great sliding catch. Yep. Uh, the fade, you mentioned the fade catcher. He one handed the ball there w with authority. Uh, also, just a well built kid on top I mean, of it. He's so. 206, and I mean, he is. He is. I turned to you at one point. I said he is yoked up. I mean, he really, really looks the part. This kid, uh, really, really impressive from a physical standpoint. So uh, Jalen Rieger is a guy uh, really, really excited about moving real, forward. Real quick on Rieger, you were going through PFF, and there was a certain stat. Yeah, they posted. Uh, uh, Mike Renner from PFF posted. Or no, it was Graham Barfield. Graham okay. Barfield posted from uh, NFL.com. Used PFF data and posted. Got um, Completion. I think it was. Uh, percentage of accurate passes thrown, or you know, for, for, in terms of their targets. So, uh, Jan, Jalen Rager of all the top receivers 
had the fewest amount of accurate passes thrown to him uh, over the course of the season. I think it was like 31%, 31% or something yep. like that. Uh, so, well, you know, we've talked a lot about how the quarterback play wasn't that great this year, and I thought that kind of spoke to that. So Certainly. You know, the stats always uh, have the ability to tell a story. Um, one guy, uh, where if we're talking stats, I mean, this guy was extremely productive. I thought he had a good positional workout as well. James Prochet from SMU. The positional, the, the athletic workout was not great. The shuttles very were, were very poor uh to be frank but i think when you look at Prochet, he didn't run the 40 he didn't run the 40 so you know and he chose not to run uh from that standpoint but i think when you look at Prochet, uh the positional workout was good this is a guy that you know if we're going to talk about oh, trust the tape trust the tape on, on james Prochet. this is a guy that i think transitions well to the slot at the next level he does a great job of adjusting especially over the shoulder thought he did a great job from that aspect. he made some outstanding catches today i yeah. mean like Looking in through, you know, you say through your eyelids where the ball's coming in uh, over the over the top of your head, and you're able to kind of look it in, uh, you know, Willie Mays style. Yeah, he was able to do that a couple of times, uh, a couple of catches that made every, you know, you kind of heard the buzz throughout the, you know, mm -hmm. you know coming through, um, you know, in terms of everybody being impressed with what they saw. And his cuts can be so sharp. He actually lost his shoe yeah. on one of them during one of the drills there, so or one of the routes, I should say. So uh, we we saw him at the Senior Bowl. You knew the route running ability. Uh, definitely came through in the positional drills here today in Indy. Real quickly, uh, C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy, both guys, I thought, checked the box, right? Both Certainly. The positional workouts were really, really good. Uh, sharp cuts from Jerry Judy, uh, really good catches from C.D. Lamb. You saw some improved route running from C.D. Lamb as well. Uh, only a drop or two from Jerry Judy. That was a question some people had where, you know, how great are his hands? You know, do, he does have some focus drops every once in a while. I thought both guys checked the box. Um, you know, the testing was fine as well. So I think when you look at both guys, uh, nothing to nothing to worry about here. Let's move yeah. along uh, to the next stage of the pre-draft process for both of those guys. I'll tell you what, one guy I was impressed with, and he didn't test super great, but the positional workout I thought was really impressive. Uh, Kalijah Lipscomb, the the wide receiver oh. from Vanderbilt, I thought. Looked really, really good. He had a good gauntlet run. Um, you know, caught, caught the ball very, very well. Showed some snap at the top of routes as well. So, uh, Kalijah Lipskin was the guy I thought had a really solid night. Who was his uh, position coach? It would be Aaron Moorhead. Oh wow! Yeah, and I, where where does Aaron Moorhead work now? He does work for the Eagles, and I I actually caught up with Kalaja and asked him about uh, Aaron Moorhead earlier this week on Tuesday, and he said, you know, uh, super energetic guy, really really excited for him. He's worked with him over the last couple of years and really helped him kind of hone in on his craft and uh, get better as a receiver. So uh, potentially, I'll, maybe I'll write a little blurb about that uh, moving down the line here. But uh, Lipscomb, really really impressive player. Um, I thought that he had, had a nice job. He did a nice job on Thursday night. A couple more guys here. Benjamin Victor, uh, we saw at the Shrine Bowl. Yep. Big kid from Ohio State. Caught the ball. Lanky really, kid. Yeah, Real big tall, lanky, lanky kid, kid. Really tall, lanky. Caught the ball really, really well. Um, I thought he had a good week down in St. Pete at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, and to me, you know, was able to follow that up with a strong night uh, on Thursday, catching the football in all areas of the field. Uh, running the post corner, thought he did a great job of just adjusting and uh, using his eyes to sell the route as well. Uh, just going, trying to go through some of my notes here. Uh, uh, did a great job catching underneath ball on another post corner. Um, so over the shoulder adjustments were great. Clean both times through the gauntlet. So uh, certainly nice. Another you know another program that puts out some well coached receivers yeah they're yeah. at ohio state so uh, no question not a shock of the next one coming through the pipeline here yep absolutely and then the, the last guy we're going to hit on chase claypool um you know he look at, at his size everyone's a is he a tight end? He should move to tight end. What is this guy doing? How come he's not a tight end? Why is he a tight end? Uh he comes in at 230 pounds. What's he do? He comes out at 6'4", 238 pounds, runs 4'4", and jumps out of the gym 40 and a half inches on the vert, 126, 10 feet and a half, 10 and a half feet in the broad jump. Uh, Chase Claypool, look, I thought that through the workout, it, it started real high, was a really start, good start, Tape, tempered off a little bit. I thought he lost some juice towards the back end, and he actually didn't finish the workout. We're not sure uh, what that injury was, but didn't finish the workout, but Overall, I thought we saw some really good things from Claypool and the athleticism, uh, at least from a linear standpoint, straight line, uh, I thought that he did some good things. At that size. Yes. That's, that's the biggest thing there, that size that he's moving like that. Uh, and at Notre Dame, he was the go-to option there uh, in, that, uh, in that offense. So certainly he knows how, how to be the possession-type receiver. So uh, I think you mentioned he has a special teams background yep. to him. So. Um, certainly, a he lot cemented of, himself as a 
middle to early day three draft pick because he'll at the at floor at his floor fourth receiver special teamer. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he said he set himself up uh, very well there. All right. Um, Let's go to tight end. We're talking about uh, should Chase Claypool be a tight end? Let's go, let's go to the tight ends. Uh, real quickly, we'll go through some of those things from the tight end t- cheat sheet. Uh, my workout warrior was Hunter Bryant, the tight end from uh, from Washington. Uh, expected some big things from him. Eh, well, it wasn't as good as, as what we were hoping for. It was it was an okay. It was a solid workout. He went four seven four in the forty. That's below average. Uh, four four six in the short shuttle. Below average. The jumps below average. Uh, the three cone was above average. A seven oh eight. When you look at and when I say that above average, below average, good bad. That's compared to tight ends drafted over the last decade. Um, you know Hunter Bryant only a one year starter for Chris Peterson out there at Washington. He's a little bit. He's on the shorter side at six two and a quarter. Only 32-inch long arms. But um, this is a guy I think can find a role at the next level. I did think he would test a little bit better than he did. But uh, overall, I thought he had a good positional workout. He was one of the guys at the tight end spot that I thought did a really nice job catching the football, running routes, doing things in the positional side of the the Agree. I thought he was very consistent from a catching standpoint during the position drills. I would say um, probably put him as, you know, top three, top four. Of the of the tight ends from the positional drill sure. standpoint today, so yep. I know you were focusing more on the workout warrior aspect of it, but uh, I still think Hunter Bryant came in here in Indianapolis and helped his cause. I ranked him as my third positional workout. Uh, I thought ha- Harrison Bryant, this kid from FAU, had the best positional workout, and Adam Troutman. Uh, I thought I had him or two. We'll talk about those guys uh, here in a second. Um, the second guy I had for my off the radar. Uh, a personal favorite of yours, uh, Stefan Sullivan, yeah. who has the yeah. longest arms and the longest wingspan of any tight end, if he were to get drafted, of any tight end drafted in the last 10 years. Uh, really, really interesting build. Uh, a one-year starter at wide receiver. He's been a longtime contributor, again, at wide receiver for LSU, making that move to the tight end position. Uh, what did you think of Sullivan overall? I thought that the workout itself, uh, he ran 4.66, which is a solid number. He jumped pretty well. Shuttles were very, very bad. So um, that's something that uh, he'll look to improve on in his project. Straight track. line explosive. Yes, that's what he's Very, he very out. explosive. You can see some traits to work with. Uh, I thought the position drills were, quite honestly, up and down. A yep, little, I think that's li- fair. A, a little inconsistent there. Um, but one, you definitely can see the explosion. Uh, you can see the ability to keep, get deep down the field. Uh Definitely, it's it's intriguing because you know it typically wasn't an offense that featured you know the tight end and he's sort of the hybrid wide receiver right. tight end uh, a whole lot. So not a ton of production coming from LSU, but uh, nonetheless, there are certainly some traits that can be worked with. Uh, so my stopwatch shocker for the tight end spot, I went back and forth on this CMAC and. I ended up landing on Bryson Hopkins because I thought that he was going to test pretty well, and he did. Of all, of the tight ends, I thought uh, he was a guy that you know. It, again, it, did, it wasn't a great group overall from a testing standpoint. He had a solid day. He had four six six in the forty, above average. Four two eight in the short shuttle, above average. The jumps were above average. So he had a solid workout overall. Uh, the guy that I almost put in was the guy who lit it up before he got hurt, and that's Albert Okwebunam from Missouri, uh, a guy I've been on for a couple of years now, uh, led, led the country in touchdowns for tight ends as a redshirt freshman. Um, so I watched him very early on. Uh, I thought that there were a lot of similarities to Zach Ertz uh, when he, uh, from, from the early stages of his okay. career with some of the guys that he was paired with, uh, an athletic guy. Why didn't I put him there? I don't know, C-Mac. I don't, I, I don't know why I didn't put him there. But – he had a great workout uh, before the injury. He went four four nine. The forty time is um, disgusting. Yeah, I mean just that's, that's silly. I mean that's out there. That's what you're looking for in terms of uh, a guy that can get down the seam. So especially again, you factor in his size six five and a half, just under two hundred sixty pounds, over thirty four inch long arms. This is a high school receiver, former basketball player. Uh, does a lot of good things for you in the passing game. So uh, Albert Okwebunam did some really good things on the field. The injury was unfortunate. Would have liked to see him get through the rest of the workout. Would have liked to see him go through position drills as well. But uh, to me, if you're talking about who are the tight ends that are going to have buzz coming out of Indianapolis, Okwebunam is, is going to be one of those guys. I thought he also looked the part just when the tight ends were stretching, warming up, getting ready for the drills. He's, I was like, which one's number 12? And I'm like, Okwebunam. And I'm like, yep. 
There you go. That yep. certainly look, looks the part. So chiseled and, and the whole nine. So and then the blazing fast forty on top of it. Uh, my will kill the drills was Harrison Bryant, the tight end from FAU. I thought he had the best overall position workout. So. Uh, I feel like I aced that one. Uh, overall, I thought he was one of the better ones uh, on blocking the sled. Uh, ran good routes, caught the ball well. I think he only let one ball hit the ground the entire afternoon. Um, so I think overall, uh, Harrison Bryant, really, really strong night uh, overall from, uh, from the tight end from FAU, the John Mackey Award winner. He, between he and uh, Adam Troutman were for the position. Troutman was outstanding, too. Yep. Yeah, the, the, it's really between the, those two for it right there. So... Uh, I thought Brian showed very, very strong hands in the gauntlet. Um, thought he did a great job tracking the ball over the shoulder, uh, attacked the fade route, you know, at the end of the positional uh, drills there. So uh, overall very strong. I think there was actually one. He had one drop in the gauntlet, but did a great job of bouncing back yep. and finishing that strong, which, as you wrote in the, uh, the wide receiver Cheat sheet that you want to see how do they rebound? How do you rebound? You don't, you don't, because we, we saw it happen to a few people uh, on Thursday. Certainly where, did, yes. An, an early drop, an early misstep, everything kind of snowballs from there, and uh, you know, you end up with three or four drops on the drill. You don't want that to happen. I, I thought a number of these guys had an early drop, might have been on one of the first couple throws before they got into the uh, got into the, the drill, might have been one of the first ones they got once they started on the straight line, but uh. Guys were able to recover, and I thought certainly uh, Bryant was able to do that. I thought Troutman was really good. You mentioned him. Uh, probably the best in terms of the sled, you know, attacking the sled. That was my uh, drill of, that I would like to focus on in that article, uh, in the cheat sheet, and I thought Troutman looked really good there. And overall, just a really strong positional workout. And, again, this is a player – Check the box, right? He had a great senior bowl week. Check that box. Was productive throughout the course of his career. Dominant player uh, at the FCS level. Uh, Troutman, uh, overall, another another really good performance. A yeah. number of the Titans struggled with the uh, block They did. A couple drill. of them did, yep. You, well, you noted that it was the first time they used an actual Yeah, sled. usually it's with a, a, a guy holding the bag. So, but a lot of guys were getting too high very early, uh, twisting it to the side, not going straight down, staying low. I thought Trauma was one of the guys who was able to stay low and attack it real well. Yep, and then overall as well, let's mention Cole Komet. I thought Cole Komet, yeah. not special in any given way. It wasn't a, it was just rock solid across yeah. the board. Like yeah. a rock solid across the board. And I think that kind of speaks to Komet. I don't think that Komet, when you watch him on film, is dynamic in any way. But I think when you look at him, it's like, good blocker, check. Good receiver, good pass catcher, good route runner. Does a lot. Does everything well. Nothing great. And I think that that's when you look at uh, when you get a guy like Cole Komet, the junior from Notre Dame. Just clean, just yeah. clean across the board. So, you know, good numbers both in the in the timing drills. Did well in the position drills. Again, you had him as the uh, top of the heap. I did. You know, coming into this, so I don't think he did anything to. Uh, and again, my focus that. on that was. Who most in the media had Correct. as the guy yeah, that sorry, you know, was in mock drafts? Don't so. portray as your as your of ranking. Course. It's it's the consensus when you're reading the the mock drafts, the the big boards, and and the, and the like. Yes. Yeah, so uh, let's put a, that's that's it for the tight ends. Real quick, we hit on quarterbacks. I'm gonna be honest. We spent very little time staring at the quarterbacks because we're focusing in the receivers. Um, you know, there were some things that they, the quarterbacks did off by themselves. So I did watch some of those. Um, I'll tell you what. I thought this this guy was my workout warrior. Matched it, and he did everything, and he looked really good at doing it, which we expected. Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma, yeah. uh, athletically, everything was there. Did did great from an athletic testing standpoint. I would actually even say threw the ball a little better. Than he threw the ball. ball. He threw the ball better than he did in Mobile. Yeah, I agree. I, I would one hundred percent agree. Um, the ball came out well. Uh, didn't die on the back end. Uh, good zip out coming out of his hand. Uh, accurate over the course of the day. From again, from the. The throws that I saw, I didn't watch every single throw that came out of his hand. But uh, overall, I thought Jalen Hurts, solid day. Solid, solid day overall. And he also crashed our podcast interview uh, earlier. Earlier with, in the show. Uh, Jim Nagy. That's a good so. point. Yeah, that's a good point. Thanks for, uh, for bringing it back to that. Um, off the radar, I, I went with Steven Montez, uh, the quarterback from Colorado, who's uh, thrown a bunch of passes to uh, LaVisca Chenault over the course of his career. I thought we got hurt today, by the way. So yes. I know that's someone who a lot of people were interested in. Uh, there was all the talk about Schnall had a you know, pre-workout injury that, or for the season, I really should right. say, that he had been dealing with whether that was a reason that he had to uh, uh, stop early. It's uncertain, but uh, shame we couldn't see Schnall go through the full workout. Yeah, no question. Montez, I thought, from an athletic standpoint, uh, 
did some nice things. So, you, know, you look at the jumps, the jumps were pretty good. Um, you know, he showed off some of that athleticism uh, on Thursday night. Stopwatch shocker, Justin Herbert posted outstanding athletic workouts uh, or athletic yeah. numbers. Um, again, I, my, the reason why I put him in there was – I think people kind of slept on his athleticism, at least going into the like midway point of the season, uh, up everything up to that point, down the stretch, did a lot of things with his legs. And I think most college football fans and NFL draft fans got to see that athleticism and what he can do with the ball in his hands. But uh, you know, if you were a casual fan, you may not have been aware of how athletic this kid is. And, uh, you know, he did some really good things from that standpoint. And then my will kill the drills. Uh, I went with Jordan Love, and I thought he threw the ball very well on on Thursday night. Justin Herbert threw the ball very well on Thursday. We didn't see Joe Burrow, um, but I thought that overall the the guys that threw the, – the top guys – I thought overall had good performances, again, from what I saw. The ball flew out of Jacob Eason's hand uh, a number of times. So um, overall, the biggest names seemed to me, uh, from the limited exposure, I thought it fared pretty well. I thought uh, Lewerke from Michigan State, also a very strong arm. There you go. That was, nice. a, that was the other one that, that stood out from uh, – Seeing, seeing his arm live I like uh, it. up close for the first time. All right, well, let's uh, let's wrap this show up here. We, we, that's what we saw from Thursday night. Uh, outstanding stuff from the, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the tight ends. But uh, let's put a, a ribbon on this show. It's time for Draft Mailback. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. All right, so it's just a final reminder. Uh, wherever you listen, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. If you leave us a question, if you leave us a mock draft, we'll cover it here on the show, and that's what we're going to do here. <laughs> Sean Wolford, longtime listener, left a five-star review. Uh, Is this like his fifth uh, mock draft that he's left for us? No, I don't think I'm so. I'm joking, Sean. Yeah, so, so Sean said he lo- loves the podcast. Uh, he has trouble following along uh, during the football season with the Eagles playing, but from the moment Shrine Bowl week starts, he is glued into the show, uh, trying to figure out which prospects work for the Eagles, who's rising up boards, who to stay away from. Loves everything about it. He's got a mock draft that he did on firstpick.com uh, <clears throat> at the top of the draft. Henry Ruggs, player we talked about earlier in the show. Indeed. Uh, and the big question <clears throat> is going to be with the way that not just the Eagles, every team needs speed. Yep. Every team's looking for speed. I'm pretty and sure every head coach that spoke on Tuesday talked about how much they would love to add speed. Certainly. So it's going to be interesting to see that, you know, before the combine, even really you were starting to see Ruggs go just before the Eagles pick at 21. It'll be interesting to see if that changes. I don't know if enough has changed to really shake up the hierarchy there at wide receiver because you talked about C.D. Lamb's workout, Jerry Judy's workouts were both solid. We didn't say it uh, when we talked about Judy and Lamb. Uh, Lamb running 4-5, 4-5-1, whatever it was, good number for him. Exactly. uh, Like that was a win for C.D. Lamb. So that's what I mean. So it goes back to your point where, yes, Ruggs is fast. We knew he was fast. He proved it once again. I still think it's – one thing to hear that he's fast and then to see it and for him to perform that number. Uh, you just think that some team's going to get so enamored by that, that 427 that it's like they're going to have to have it. What, what, where did John Ross go? I know ninth overall. You know, it's not 422, but it's right there basically. So uh, his second round pick, Noah Igbenogany, we're going to see him on Sunday afternoon. And I think to he, see him. he is going to test very, very well. Very athletic corner, uh, explosive athlete, very physical, very competitive. Just a little bit raw. He's only been playing corner for a couple of years, but Igbenogany, a guy that I think is going to test really well on Sunday. We'll get a chance to see him uh, go through drills. Third round pick, his first of two, Jordan Brooks, the linebacker from Texas Tech. Uh, C-Mac, we, you have not been able to see him live. I haven't seen him live either, but mm-hmm. very productive player over the last couple of years who has gotten a little bit of buzz. So excited to see how he tests on Saturday. Kyle Duggar, the safety from Lenore oh, Ryan, there you his go. third round pick. I think he's another guy who's going to test really well, especially considering his size. Uh, Big hitter, coverage safety as well, so does a lot of different things for you from the safety spot. Uh, three fourth-round picks here, C-Mac. Okay. Cesar Ruiz, the center from Michigan, wow. good player. My guess is, and I know he's going off the, the you know the board from FirstPick.com. Of course. My guess is Cesar Ruiz is going earlier than the uh, the fourth round. The, the fourth round, but um, KJ Hill, the wide receiver from Ohio State, uh, there as well. And then Levante Taylor, the fourth, uh, the third fourth round pick. Uh, he is a corner from Florida State who played some safety this year, played some nickel, um, undersized, but crazy, crazy athlete. It's a shame he's not here because I think he would be one of the guys that would test really well. Um, but, yeah, a guy that's not at the Combine uh, here in the fourth round, but, which, I mean, that, that happens every year. Certainly. So that's nothing to uh, stick your nose up to. Uh, Fifth-round pick, Nick Coe, uh, the edge rusher mm-hmm. from Auburn. 
Very interesting player because he's got, uh, with his body, I mean, he's been up in the 270s. He's been in the, uh, I think now, he, I think he came in at like 263. Um, he's got the ability, I think, to get into the 280s and even to the 290. I mean, he's just a big-bodied kid. Uh, interesting player from a physical standpoint. Uh, only started one game this year. We kind of got relegated back more to a rotational role, was a starter the previous year. So you kind of have to figure that out. But uh, an interesting player with upside for sure. Another fifth-round pick, J.J. Taylor from Arizona. Explosive athlete, twitched-up kid. Very small uh, at the running back spot for sure, um, but he does a lot of different things for you in the passing game. And then another player I've actually I've not studied. I don't know much about uh, Wisconsin defensive tackle Isaiah Loudermilk. Uh, wow, okay. I got, I got nothing on that one, but um, overall, good, interesting group there, Sean. Good, good stuff overall. I, I think kind of hits on the positions that most fans want to see the team touch on throughout the draft process. Yep. There, so uh, it, it'll be very interesting post combine. When a lot of these rankings kind of get uh, reassimilated, not just sure. based on the workouts, but also because of all the rumblings you're going to hear from from teams and behind the scenes, uh, absolutely out and about in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's uh, good stuff there from Sean, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow. C-Mac, we've got uh, another day of workouts. We've got the offensive line and running backs on Friday night. We will be bringing you another podcast. You can check for it on Saturday morning. This one you're hopefully, hopefully listening to on Friday. Uh, and we will uh, we'll bring you all the action that we see from uh, Lucas Oil Stadium on Friday. All that being said, uh, we'll wrap this up. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. For Chris McPherson, I'm Fran Duffy. Thanks for listening to the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. Again, rate, review, subscribe. Talk to you tomorrow.